You're listening to the MGTOW Academy Show, your one-stop spot for MGTOW Talk. We're in the third season of the show as of right now, and this is episode five. We're going to have a lot of fun in our podcast today. And yes, I said we, as in plural. If you're not yet settled in, I recommend you get comfortable because I'm joined today by Billy and his friend Sleazy from Bedsore Billy and the Crotch Crickets. You may have heard of them if you've been following me on Twitter recently. Bedsore Billy and the Crotch Crickets are what I would like to call a uh, red pill rock band. That's the term that I came up with that writes music often uh, you know, with a dose of humor. So Billy reached out to me via Twitter and he sent me a message asking me to help spread the word about their music, and I did so happily. And as a side note, for those who do know me best, I love listening to music of all sorts. I listen to all sorts of music. Uh, my favorites, you know, bands and artists range from Green Day to Big Time Rush to Elvis. Anything that's, you know, rock, classic rock, you know, especially especially stuff like Eddie Money, Bruce Springsteen, Aerosmith, Van Halen, ACDC, The Eagles. That is my shit right there, all right? That's my go-to music genre, especially when I'm driving. So when I tell you guys that I really dig the music from Bedsore Billy and the Crouch Crickets, I sincerely mean it. So far, they've released two tracks, which will be linked to you down below to check out. The songs are called B-N-A-S-U, which stands for Bits Need to Stick Up in the Wall. <laughs> That's the name of their two songs. So I'm going to end my yapping and get to work. But first, here's a quick preview of their two current songs. And now, it's my pleasure to introduce you to my two good friends, Billy and Sleazy. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Doing great. Thank you. Doing great. Awesome. Thanks for having us on. Awesome. Well, yeah, appreciate it so much. Of course. Yeah, of course. Well, I'm glad to have you guys here with me. And um, as always, I appreciate your time. And speaking of time, let's not waste it. Let's start off with a question um, that you guys actually got from a fan and that you guys forwarded to me. So however you guys want to answer it, if Billy wants to go first and Sleazy wants to go or vice versa, it's up to you guys. Um, cool. The question was, how do you guys get the inspiration for your songs? Well, I'd say that's pretty easy. You know, life of women says it all. As I've always said, life of women is like a multifaceted diamond. You know, each facet's a little different. So anytime from teenage all the way to you know, old as hell. So you've got a different challenge, you know, at every fast. Needless to say, you know, there's lots to, lots to say. All right. All right. I see that. Uh, Sleazy, is there anything you'd like to add? I just know that uh, sometimes an experience would just spark an idea and all of a sudden it turns into a song and before you know it, you've got Bitch Needs to Stick Up. So Bitch Needs to Stick Up is a personal experience of mine so that song oh, really is actually so, something that i've you know, i've actually dealt with and i kind of view that song as a, a public service announcement that the guys that have not had to deal with that yet so they don't have to because sometimes it's not always better on the other side that's a good point you made right there uh the next question i got for you 
uh, I would like to hear about the history of the band. And now that I got two people on here, initially for the people that are listening, we were uh, planning on having one person. But now we got two people here, so that's great. So we can get multiple perspectives. Uh, I want to know about the history, you know, of your band. Who came up with the idea? How long did it take to get the uh, band up and running from the moment of conception to actually producing music? What hurdles did you face? What surprised you? I want to hear it all. Go ahead and answer that question. Sleazy, what were you saying? I think it basically really didn't take much time at all. This sort of happened. It just sort of gelled. You know, we've known each other a long time, so it's uh, it's more of a uh, fusion, if you will. You know, personal experiences, talking shit, if you will, and uh, you know, talking about the different things that we've both been through in life, and basically just turned into seeds that have you know grown into songs, if you will. Yeah, and I, I went over to Billy's house one day and he said, hey, check this out. This is possibly a, a different song. And uh, he played me the, what was a very, very early version of uh, Banassi, as we call it. And uh, I said, man, you got something there. So we kind of fleshed it out a little bit and uh, we put a, just a, a loop behind it just to get some rhythm going. We ended up pulling in another one of our friends, Gracie. To do the drums once we kind of had a full song, then we uh, ended up calling a producer we know. <laughs> he doesn't want to be associated with us, but uh, he loves taking our money, but he doesn't want his name on our record. Whatever. Uh, anyway, but uh, there's no works. arguing with the fact that he's made the, this music sound great. We'll give him that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. That's an interesting story. All right. All right. So I would like to, after after considering and taking in mind the story all just shared with us, I want to go back to the two songs that uh, you've released thus far and talk about them a little bit more in depth. Uh, as I said, the YouTube description and such does give us a little bit of more detail. And you just talked about, uh, Billy, you just talked about how that was a personal experience from you. So that, that was with Bitch Absolutely. Stick Up. And most of them do need a stick up. <laughs> Most of them do That's need true. to stick up. Most of them do. That's right. That's right. Well, um, well, um, yeah. Going going back to those two songs, I, I just want to hear about uh, how the songs were, you know, created. How long did it take to write them? Did you? And another question: Did you have like laughing fits while recording? I just want to hear the entire story of the creation process. Of those two songs. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's probably about. Uh, Three to one, you know, three to one laughing, you know, one part song. But it's just, uh, you know, when you start to break down experiences and things you notice, observation, you know, is a powerful tool. It's a powerful ins- inspiration, if you will. So the song of the wall, well, actually, so going back a step, Bitch Need to Stick Up is a song that I wrote a long time ago, probably in... 11th or 12th grade in school. Oh, wow. So it just goes to show that certain that certain things don't change. And um, I've just been kind of sitting on it because of the, uh, you know, sleazy, what was the term we used earlier? You know, the woke, you know, the woke world as it is now. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, uh, you know, you really have to think twice about how you expose these things. But as we found, you know, we've got a lot of people, you know, a lot of guys have really, um, resonated with the stuff yeah, you know they've adopted the band and we didn't know but right exactly so as far as the wall goes um that's kind of uh it's kind of a summation of female nature if you will starting out when they're younger you know they've got 
what it, it's a term called uh, sexual uh, uh, marketplace, if you will. You know, their looks are currency in their world. Right. And, you know, they use sex as a, as a tool to get shit, you know, and they fuck over it and die. I'm talking about women with no morals. There are good women out there, but it seems like very few. We're, we're talking about bare, hardcore, bare female nature. And so if you look at it from that point of view, you know, you see, if you listen to the first line, you think you're baby girl, baby girl, hot shit, right? That line right there sums up the attitude of most young girls that are being, you know, coded to act and think a certain way, right? Right. Disney does it all for us. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's true. So then, you know, they get a little older, basically, you know, that simply is expanded upon in their culture. And it's not just in the U.S., any Western type culture, you know what I'm saying? Right. Asia, Europe, et cetera, et cetera. You see it, you, know, you see it everywhere. But basically they uh, gold dig, you know, got guys that have money. And it's like, you see good men, you know, getting ruined. And it's like, this song again is a public service announcement for guys that don't have any idea. I wish I had that, that kind of message, you know, when I was younger, so I could save a lot of money and waste of time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you can look at the song and, and it kind of tells a story for the entire lifespan of a woman from teen years, you know, where they start to grow tits all the way to where they're old and they have to wear camouflage, you know, to hide, hide their gun. You know what I'm saying? It really, it really speaks of the full cycle of life, you know, for a woman. Right. You know, hopefully that information is helpful you know for this you know the time that we have here tonight all right that was a pretty solid answer before i do respond to that sleazy do you have anything to add uh well Perry's really the brains of the operation i'm just like where's the food and where are the bitches <laughs> it's a really different point. <laughs> um so no i don't have anything to add always got to know where the bitches are that's right <laughs> i will say that uh at times a uh, concept will reveal itself when you start writing music, we've realized we're working on our third track now, and uh, this next one is really going to be an anthem. I think you're going to like this one just as much. It's just, uh, it's interesting. We're just getting rolling. But, uh, sometimes, you know, you, you can write music that addresses different topics and lead you in different directions, but at the end of the day, if it's all honest and it feels like it all belongs on the same record, then that. That really is what has always inspired me about other bands that I've liked through the ages, you know? Absolutely. Whether it was Kiss or some of the hard rock bands in the 80s or whatever, that's the stuff that I really liked and that I'm hoping we're able to, to pull off. Well said, brother. Well said. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, responding to that, yeah, you guys made some great points. And I like to, I love it when I get to hear about you know, the artists themselves talk about the, the lyrics. Like what do you guys say? Oh yeah. When we wrote about this lyrics, we were talking about the, you know, that's the type of stuff I like to hear. Cause you just can't get that no matter how much you bang your head and try to interpret, what does the lyrics mean? Even if it's right in front of you, hearing it from the, you know, mouths of the people who made it themselves, that's just uh, an insanely cool experience. So, and also, you know, going back to what Billy said about, you know, the, the song, the wall, you're absolutely right that uh, it is quite an interesting phenomenon to see that happen because their entire lives, essentially, that's their method of getting by. Exactly. Unlike people who have to, you know, 
actually do work, put forth effort to see results. Uh, they just they get a free pass, and hey, that's fine until that thing that you've been using kind of runs out. It's kind of like winning the lottery, and then you spend your money financially irresponsibly, and then you're broke by the age of thirty, which is kind of what happens with the wall because you went out of it at thirty, right? So it's a, it's a really interesting phenomenon to see that happen, and that's a really great song that puts it into perspective. I appreciate it. Of course, of course. I appreciate it so much. Anytime. All right, so. Uh, and yes, I'm glad to hear that you guys had those laughing fits during the recording. I mean, sometimes I sing it out loud and then I just, <laughs> I just burst out <laughs> laughing because I realized what I'm singing about and it's so freaking cool. All right. Well, um, next. We do it now. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, so speaking for uh, everyone in the band as best as you possibly could, what does a typical week look like in terms of producing music? And as you guys said, you're working on your third song as of right now. Well... You know, it's, it's, I would say it's not a very traditional method, if you will. Pretty much just sort of happens. We get more done in a short amount of time, just kind of falls into place, I guess. We kind of get the seed going and kind of focus on the seed on our own time. And then, you know, we, especially with COVID and everything, we do everything online. But um, once we get in the mode, everything just sort of happens. The process is getting better over time, which is nice. Okay, yeah, that's actually a, a question that I was going to kind of follow up with next. I was just wondering, now that you guys are in the hang of things just a little bit, right? D- how does that work in terms of producing? Because you just said that the process does get easier, but overall, you know, like coming up with ideas and writing songs and everything else, does it like get easier? Uh, does, you know, do you ever run out of ideas? How does that exactly work? Uh, well, I guess it, I think it'd be pretty easy to say that, you know, there, there's no uh, shortage of uh, song topics. Just got to take a good look around and, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole suite of things to you know, talk about. So I would say the songs are to a certain level self-inspiring if you get my meaning. Right. So basically, you know, we just have certain concepts. I know that's, that's what we've both done, you know, in terms of, you know, coming up with song seeds, if you will. It's just a matter of, you know, what, what seed do we want to focus on next? We've got, we've got a whole suite of songs, song seeds, if you will. You know, it's just a matter of time and fitting that in and, you know, what we want to do next and try to um, prioritize things. All right. All right. That was a pretty solid answer. Uh, so the next question I wanted to ask for you guys, uh, it's kind of connected. I wanted to know that uh, for someone like me, who really isn't a music expert per se, but I, I like listening to music, but I'm not someone who could, uh, you know, exactly make music. So for people like me, would you mind explaining the process of writing a song and ultimately an entire album? Like, what is that right? Because you guys have actually done it. So I want to hear it from you. Well, Sleazy, would you concur with the fact that really an album is just a compilation of different songs? And depending on what kind of album you want to make would really be about what what the focus of the songs are, you know. So this being our first album, you know, the first album really has to make an uh, impact, if you will. So these topics that we're focusing on are kind of epic in a sense. These are core values to not just MGTOW, but to uh, men's health. When I say men's health, I'm not talking about the Wang, talking about, you know, the soul and their lives, you know, these are tools that they, they can listen to these songs and use them as, as a toolkit when they get older, what to watch out for, you know, such that they don't need to go through these 
nasty, I use the word nasty for many reasons, nasty experiences in their lives. Would you say that's right, Sleazy? Absolutely. All right. Well, that sounds good. I appreciate that answer. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a, that's a nice answer. I like the way that you guys verbalize things. Typically, whenever I whenever I practice these types of interviews, I go over a script, and I, I always like to imagine how you know the the person I'm interviewing or the people I'm interviewing how they exactly work together. And it's clear that you guys have been working together. The chemistry between y'all both are are, are natural. It's not going to be sounding forced like you guys are reading off of cards. Like, hey there, sleazy, how are you? Like, it sounds very natural, and I like that. I, I appreciate really it. Like that. Yeah, and it does show in the music. I mean, I'm always, I'm definitely very impressed. I got to say, with with the quality of the sound. You know, like usually whenever people first start out making music and uploading, uh, you know, the first ever stuff, it it kind of does sound like crap. But you guys sound like you've been doing it for a fair uh, bit of time. So that's just that's really really impressive with the amount of quality you have in terms of production and the actual lyrical value. I mean, everything's just insane. So that's why I was really happy to take up this opportunity to interview you guys. All right. Well, Well, uh, the next question I had for y'all was, uh, how did you guys get into music in the first place? Because yes, you're you're a band now. You got uh, a lot of people together, but you know, if you could tell Billy and Sleazy, maybe y'all could tell your stories of how you got into music. Did you get guitar lessons as a kid? Did you just listen to music on the radio and get inspired? You know, what were your inspirations? What were those milestone moments that made you think I want to do something with music that led you to where you are now? Uh, Speaking for myself, um, I. I was basically had very few lessons on guitar um, when I was about seven years old. You know, my dad told me it's kind of a bonding thing that we did, father and son. And uh, that kind of grew over time. And um, I didn't really get into learning how to sing until I was about 19. I took opera lessons for a few years. So I did some of that. Uh, but I realized that's not exactly what I wanted to do. It's very stiff, very stiff necked. Uh, field of uh, voice, if you will. And um, so I've been playing guitar is uh, an evolutionary thing. Uh, you know, we, we, we both have done that, you know, over our lives. Um, so it's just kind of a natural, natural yielding of uh, melody and uh, message, if you will. So, Sleazy, how about you, brother? Yeah, for me, a friend had a guitar and I would go over and look at it. Now, I would ask him to play it. And he never seemed to be able to actually play anything. So I, I would go over and pick it up and eventually started getting annoyed because every time I'd come over, I'd pretty much just play with his guitar and not uh, play whatever he had Dungeons and Dragons or whatever game he wanted to play. Eventually, I actually trashed the guitar so I had to... <laughs> save and scrape and end up getting my own guitar. You know, I've often thought that he destroyed that thing so that he could get his friend back. You know, once you start playing music, you don't want to stop. Exactly. Part of who you are as a person. That, well, that was some good answers there. I want to go back to, uh, I'm, I have some responses for Sleazy, but going back to Billy, because you answered first, uh, I understood that you, you mentioned that your dad kind of taught you as your way of bonding and stuff, right? That's uh, that's what some kids do while growing up. They bond with their parents and stuff. So for you, know, for you, how, how is your relationship with your dad right now? Like, does he know, like, just explain, does he know about the band and the music that y'all make? Uh, do you just say, oh yeah, I'll play guitar with some friends? Or like, how exactly does that work out now? Well, um, my dad passed away about three and a half years ago. 
we've always been very close on my dad's side of the family. Everybody plays music from banjo to fiddle to, to spoons, even. Anything from country to rock. But um, yeah, so you know, we've always been close and he's always backed me up no matter what I've done. And there's certain things you can talk to a father about, you know, about you can't talk to a mom about. So needless to say, we've had our own uh, adult men conversations. So uh, if he was here today, I think I think he'd be happy to hear what you know we've got to say. All right, that's a that's a very nice constructed answer, by the way. I hope that you're able to deal with your uh, losses in the best way possible right now. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. Thank you. Uh, next, I noticed that you you were um, talking about how you took, I think you said opera lessons. So can you explain that? I'm just curious to know how exactly that works. Well, um, how do I word this? What drew me to learning how to sing operas because you know. Um, I'm a big fan of singers that are well into their seventies and get better every year. And, you know, you're, you know, you only have one voice. So it was imperative for me to learn how to do things the right way because, uh, you, you know, it doesn't take very many shitty bands to listen to a singer that can barely pull off a 30 minute set before he can't talk anymore. You know, and that's right. Two ends of the stick, if you will. Right. You know, what I, what I would like to be, what I definitely don't want to be. I found in life that most of what we want to do, we find is a result of what we know that we don't want to do. So if you take, if you take everything out that you don't want to do, what you're left is with what you do want to do in life. With respect to singing, that was my guide, if you will, you know, my post, post in the water, if you will, you know, trying to navigate towards that post. Um, so the best way to do that was to take opera lessons. Had a very, very good friend kind of get me going with vocal scales and I kind of followed in his path. He also took opera lessons. I just tried to get to the point where I had a toolkit to where I could train my voice on my own without having to succumb to, you know, a certain style of music. Because eventually, uh, with the you know, with the uh, toolkit that they give you, you know the scales, exercises. On one hand, they're very good because they learn. You know, they teach you how to use your voice as a muscle. You warm up, you exercise, you cool down, just as like you're you know trying to lift weights. It's the same kind of concept. But eventually, these exercises kind of force your vocal style into you know an operatic singer which is fine if that's what you want to do. And that's the reason why I got out of it. Now, uh, I, I still have that toolkit anytime I want it, but um, it's really a focus on, you know, having a healthy voice and, you know, getting the most out of what you've been given by God. So that's pretty much how I see it. All right. However, that's a good answer. The, the reason that I wanted to kind of touch on the opera part a little bit was because one of my, uh, I think probably my top 10 favorite male vocalist is the lead singer of that, of the band disturbed. 
because uh, I watched their live performance on on the Conan show, and his voice was absolutely insane. I was like, "Wow, he's got a good voice." I wonder what his secret is. <laughs> and then someone in the comments was like, "Yeah, he was a classically trained opera singer, or it was something like that." So that's why I was interested in that. All right, Billy Sleazy, this question yeah. to you. I, I remember that you almost uh, described that music is sort of like a drug to you. From my personal experience with things that I enjoy doing, you know, no matter how happy or how down I am, just you know, it always gets me going. It always gets me excited. So. Um, you know, like how, how exactly does that work for you? Can you like describe, uh, you know, some stories and experiences where you would compare music to a drug in your experience? Um, yes. Um, I knew that playing music was addictive when I went a few days without picking up a guitar or writing a song or anything like that. It was like some sort of a withdrawal situation. It's weird. It's like I remember going on a trip for a week and I was going nuts. And when I finally got back, the first thing I wanted to do was pick up my guitar. And I must have played it for five hours that day. It just kind of becomes part of who you are. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. And, you know, it's that whole 10,000 hours thing. You get proficient something, you... You want to do it more, and it's a you know, self-fulfilling prophecy in that regard, and as anything is in life, when you're striving for excellence. One thing that Billy and I discussed when we got this together was that we wanted to make sure we could convey Billy's ideas, but we also realized that if the music wasn't there, we couldn't back it up because people would think we were a joke, right? So, everybody in this band can play, and everybody's a stellar musician. And we've got a story to tell. We're kind of a triple threat in that regard. Okay. All right. That's a good answer. Thank you, Sleazy. Yeah, that kind of leads to the next question I was going to ask you, because you were talking about how everyone in the band uh, you know, is very skilled at what they do. So. Uh, whoever wants to answer this, I don't really care. Just give me an overview of like the band members, because you know when you go when you look at the name um, Bedsore, Billy and the Crotch Crickets. How many crickets are there? Are there two of them? Are there five of them? Are there ten? Of, you, you know, you know. So uh, you know, just go over you know what names they go by and what positions they're in: guitar, vocals, bass, drums, tuba, saxophone, piano, accordion, whatever you have. I want to hear that. Well, I crazy uh-huh. guitar. I play some bass. Got Gracie who plays uh, drums. And he does our artwork, the beautiful artwork and the logos you see, that's all him. And then, of course, Billy plays bass and guitar. Whoever's right for the part of the song, that's who ends up playing it. We don't yeah. worry about that as much as just making sure we get it down. Right tool for that job. All right, yeah, that was a good answer. And I, and by the way, uh, you know, for those of you who are listening to this, uh, on, maybe you're watching on YouTube, watching this on a podcast platform, if you look at the... Uh, thumbnail all right that that art the background art uh the logo all that stuff aside from the mctow academy show and the you know season three episode five stuff that's all them they made all that stuff like like i was actually surprised like y'all made that like that's pretty damn good like it wasn't until i got to uh look at the second one that you you, uh sent me billy over twitter the message uh i didn't realize that was antron i was like Holy shit, that's hand Like that's good. That's yeah. really good stuff you got there. So when you guys say you're talented in various yeah. means, you, yeah, you definitely yeah. mean it. Wow. Like they're really freaking good at that. All right. Well, 
compliments to the artist on that. Next question, uh, financially speaking, what investments did you guys have to, you know, do to make, you know, music and get things going? Cause I was talking to my friend and, and then she was like, yeah, I'm going to have to uh, pay for lessons and this and that. And then I was like, does that cost money? Cause that was like a lot of shit that she was listing off. So for you guys with the music you make, could you go over like how much it costs to make music? And if you guys make any income yet, just go over that part. Well, Sleazy, wouldn't you say that? I mean, once you have the recording gear locally, that's a fixed bill, if you will. And then it's just a matter of our producer remotely managing things while we're, you know, cutting tracks. You know, he does the mixing, mastering, et cetera, et cetera. So, I guess as far as how much that costs, I mean, aside from individual instrumentation, what would you say that would cost, Sleazy, on a per-person basis? I would say I have to keep track of it, but they definitely defeated that. I think we might not want to keep doing it, but the feedback we got was very positive. We understand it's an investment up front, but we think Absolutely. over time, as the fan base grows, we'll be able to subsidize our additional albums moving forward. And obviously, if we play live shows at some point, that will help as well. There are obviously some challenges involved with us playing shows. We can't really go play it your everyday bar or venue, we have to pick a place that has balls and is willing to take a chance on a group like this. It's not as uh, woke either. Exactly. Oh, okay. I see. I see. Yeah, because <laughs> you don't want to get canceled as soon as you start to make your first uh, live events and concerts. I understand that entirely. All right. All right. That's a yeah, good yeah. perspective there. Later on down the list, I was actually going to ask about that, but since you brought it up, Sleazy, let's go ahead and cover that now. Uh, you know, I, I was listening to this and I was like, dude, I wonder what the live shows are going to be like. So, uh, you know, I, I believe you were talking about performing at bars and stuff. How far away are you guys from, you know, doing like live concerts and, and what do you see happening? Do you see, you know, starting off with local venues and going to a local tour? How exactly do you guys have a mental roadmap of that planned out? And explain that, please. Well, interestingly enough, we were just about to start rehearsals when COVID hit. We don't exactly have a blueprint for that yet. We're going to have to see how it plays out. How much live music comes back. Just adapt that way. So this may have to be a question that we table for a future episode. We would love to play out. We've got lots of concepts. But we really haven't had you know the chance to put too much thought into them, given you know COVID and things, things of that sort. So um, it kind of takes the wind out of your sail, you know, when you know you're not able, you know, to move forward on things. And uh, got a lot of a lot of you know great concepts, a lot of wild ideas. Yeah, I guess we'll just kind of you know leave it there, you know. When that time comes, you know, when we can play out, you know, we'll definitely, definitely have all that info for you. All right. 
So uh, this is a quick answer. I'm, I'm trying to guess. So when you guys record stuff, uh, I believe you said that one song was recorded together and then one was done remotely. Do you guys like have like a studio in your room or do you guys have like those, you know, those um, absorbent pad thing? I forgot what they're called. Those absorbent sound mats you put up on the wall. Uh, you know, I want to hear about how you guys are able to get the quality the way it is. And in addition to the producer. So would you mind explaining that part, the hardware, the software? That is something I'm also interested in. Sleazy, you might. Oh, okay. Uh, I know, that's fine. That's fine. Um, we each have one room in our homes that is a uh, dedicated music uh, recording room, if you will. And in, in that room, you know, we've got our PC with the software. We've got interface hardware. We've got the mics and on the walls. We have a phone placed in certain areas to make it very flat. So you don't have any phantom sounds coming in that kind of offsets the, the actual thing you would hear when you play the song for other people elsewhere, you know, whether it be online, DVD player, whatnot. There's uh, you know, it's all pretty much standard, standard uh, grade um, gear. You've got uh, hardware that basically keeps uh, resonant sound coming back on the mic from the walls. The name of that, escapes me for some odd reason sleazy you could probably tell tell us what that is off the top of your head um, right pro tools high-end mics mm -hmm. yeah uh, you know everything is uh either thunderbolt or uh, i'm using usb you know for my adapter i've got plans to up upgrade uh you know to better hardware you know so we have plans to invest in what we're doing, you know, we want it to sound the best, we want to have the best uh, songs, the best um, production, etc. That's all part of the plan. We've got short, mid, and long, long-term goals for every phase of the band. Right. 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 Okay. I see that. I see that. Uh, all right. So the next question I want to kind of go back to, this will be an overall explanation for, you know, what you guys are trying to accomplish it, which you did elaborate on a bit back earlier, Billy, that was, you, you elaborated on that when I was, you know, asking about, you know, who you are, what you do and stuff. Uh, when right. we first started recording this podcast, I would, I described you guys as a red pill rock band. So, you know, and you guys said before recording that you were okay with that term. So, uh, kind of sure. elaborate on that. Why would you guys call yourself a red pill rock band and what's your overall, you know, higher goal and what's your personal stories in this and that? Public service announcements for men. This is a pro men group, pro men songs, whether it's public service announcements or just, you know, sharing experiences, you know, very similar to the way fathers teach their sons. Uh, now, this is not a age focused effort, but it does have some of that in it with respect to should a younger person, if I was a man at 18, 19 years old, and I heard these songs, the first thing that would go through my mind is, what the hell is this all about? And it would cause me to want to, you know, find out, well, that's the, that's the jewel right there. It, ca it causes people to figure out what, what these songs actually mean, right? And then, right. You would, and then you would go and talk to somebody else that you know that's older, and they would be able to tell you all about it, right? So public service announcements, it's a pro-men band, not to say that it's, uh, you know, uh, anti-women, but it's not about being anti-women. 
Red pill is about understanding female nature. It's about being being for the man, men being healthy emotionally, financially, and physically, right? All right. That was a pretty good response. I like that right there. And and don't forget that we also have uh you know the comment section and just the internet in general where people can go onto a forum like, hey guys, check out this band I just came across. Like that'd be uh pretty freaking cool. You can just go to the comments, you know, don't even have to worry about talking to, like i don't know about you but for you know for me if i went to let's say i'm younger dude if i went to my parents like mom dad look what i found what is this song about <laughs> the reaction would be exactly. so freaking funny but you know having the having the youtube comment section for for example is a is another great place where you can get some feedback and have some conversation stuff and then there's oh, yeah. you guys Absolutely. you know yourself you can ask hey what did you mean when you were talking about this or something like that so that's a really good element great answer Absolutely. so um is there, you know, uh, Billy or Sleazy, both of y'all can answer this because I'm sure there's something you can say for this. What is a, uh, you know, what's your favorite red pill moment, if you will, that you would like to share where the listener is able to derive value or learn a lesson or two from that moment? Where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> well, when you say red pill moment, can you elaborate on that a little bit, please? Preferably sticking towards the concepts of, you know, MGTOW stuff, but honestly, you know, red pill just generally means a truth moment, right? Where you uh, have your previous perceptions of something, anything destroyed and you understand the actuality of something. And like I said, it could be anything you like, uh, but preferably if you're able to make it related to MGTOW. I think the reason MGTOW was around is because uh, female nature has been eating men up for decades and much much more so i think it's uh you know myself specifically i would say that you know i have many MGTOW or many red pill moments and of course red pill is always hindsight right it's after you get fucked over if you will by a woman typically on some some shade of gray of like gold digging whether it be covert overt or somewhere in the middle, typically as, a, you know, as an honest person, women view that as, a, well, the, let's just say the wrong type of woman would view that as low-hanging fruit, if you know what I'm saying. So anybody that is, you know, is an honest man and has run, run into these types of women will experience the same things. It's not like it's something new. It's been going on for, you know, thousands of years. So it's sexual marketplace to get money, to get resources, right? And that's pretty much, you know, everybody's dealt with it. Right. It's the same old thing, right? So, you know, we've all been there. I hope that you haven't been there, but I think you understand what I'm saying. I think yeah. men are, you know, you know, the, the, the odds are good that, you know, a good man is going to get there at some point in time. And it's just a matter of how long it takes for him to rise up. Uh, some, some do, some don't. Some have to operate in uh, you know, a covert manner to, you know, maximize uh, happiness in whatever kind of relationship he's in. Uh, I would say, it's in, in terms of my own personal experiences, you just got to listen to the songs. There's a lot of personal experiences in there. Right. Right. You know, one specific uh, period of time, dated this gal, 
and she was somewhat younger than I was, but I guess that's really the goal of what men do to a certain level. <laughs> yep. And I, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize at the time that, you know, all she was out for is the, you know, the money, you know, you know, smart guy, you know, got a good job. And when they see that, it's like uh, sharks and, uh, you know, blood water, if you will. And they just go, go for the gold and gold digger. But, um, and so I basically, you know, basically caught her in her little scheme and, Kicked her ass back to back to her parents' house without her knowing about it. You know, a two week break of me going overseas turned out to be the rest of her life. So I sent the dog. I sent everything. The day that she left on her flight, I sent all of her shit home with her. Wow. Ah, that's pretty pretty interesting experience. Yeah, absolutely. We have a certain name for that operation, but uh, I'm not going to say that right now. I think that would give things away a little bit too much. <laughs> All right. I understand that. I understand that. Sleazy, is there anything you'd like to uh, add to that question? I will say that for me, there was a female cricket that I liked quite a bit. <laughs> I kept asking her out. Every time she would put me off, and finally I put her on the spot, and I said, so when are we going to go out? And she said, uh... When I graduate, and the way she said it, there was always going to be an excuse and then I had to start looking at things from a different perspective. And that's yeah. when the light bulb moment happened for me. So you had to drop her like a used condom. Sleazy. <laughs> okay, that's a, yeah, that's an interesting story. You know, I got I to gotta tell you guys about um, when, when you were talking about I think Billy was the one who said, you haven't been there yet, hopefully, or something like that. I, I'm glad I have. And I've had close calls. And I mean close calls, like the, the bus almost hit me, but it passed me by an inch, like that close of a call. I'll, I'll tell you about it personally, okay? Um, this happened back when I was in eighth grade, okay? So I discovered MGTOW. Oh, I, yeah, I discovered MGTOW when I was about like 13, somewhere around that number. So at, at this point in eighth grade, I, I was, you know, Pretty familiar with its concepts, but I mean, you know, still getting the ideas and this and that, but I was rather familiar with it. I'd seen all the gold digger videos and all that sort of stuff. Everything you can think of on YouTube, all those compilations, I've seen them. So I remember one day I was getting out of the car line to drop us off, you know, at the beginning of the day, and I got out of my mom's car. Um, and she drives a Mercedes, she drives a GLK 350 Mercedes. So what I found unusual in my first period class, guys, was, you know, I, I was just, you know, out of my own business. And I was hanging out with my friends, just having a good time. And this one girl who never really talked to me before was like, uh, Hey, MGTOW Academy, does your mom drive a Mercedes? And I'm like, uh, yeah, she, she does. Uh, and, and she's like, okay, cool. And I'm like, what, what the fuck was that? Like, like I, I was not, I didn't say that, but I was like, uh, yeah, that's kind of yeah, random. Right. You know, like it's not, I, sure. I haven't seen you talk about cars enthusiastically. Like, Oh my God, guys, I love cars. You know, not like a car expert or a enthusiast or anything, you know, uh, there's not any mm-hmm. normal indications as to why that would happen. So over the next few days, all right, I noticed that she would try to just, you know, talk to me out of the blue. This never happened before. And there was no reason. I didn't like change anything drastically. I didn't get a haircut. I didn't get surgery and get like ab implants or something or whatever. I didn't do anything. I was the exact same person. The only difference is right. that, well, now she knows that my mom drives a Mercedes. So where do you think that limited thing? So I, I saw that stuff. Like the the alarms in my head were going off like as soon as it happened 
that day in, in first period. Um, so look, long story short, I have another teacher. Uh, and the important detail here is that this teacher is uh, a girl. She's a female, which is why it's, it drastically changed the outcome of this, right? She, for a summary, is a good teacher and she cares about us, all right? She she spends her own pocket money to buy us books. You know, she takes the time to talk to us, you know, that sort of stuff. She goes above and beyond. She's one of those teachers. So believe me when I tell you that I'm right. definitely glad to have had her as my teacher. And, and she is not the person who deserves something bad to happen to her. So anyways, uh, she's a good teacher, but she will make sure you do your work. She doesn't joke around with that. So long story short, uh, that girl, the same girl who asked me about my mom's car for no suspicious reasons, of course, uh, uh, falsely right. accused that teacher of make with inner quotations, making her uncomfortable. And I was like, what in the hell just happened? So I was so confused because the teacher came up to us. She was almost in tears one day and, and she was like, someone went to the office and said that I made them uncomfortable. And like I said, she goes above and beyond. She gives out hugs, all that sort of stuff. And the hugs is what was used against her. I mean, there are many people that go to school, don't even have physical contact. They don't have families that care for them. They don't give a shit. And here she is. She gives out hugs. She gives out food every now and then if needed. So, I mean, she's doing the right thing, clearly. And now she's sure, she falsely making a student, right, making a student uncomfortable for that. And then I was like, oh, I wonder who did that. And then a few days later, that girl who um, who was asking about the Mercedes in the same class, just non-casually, she just said, oh, yeah, I falsely accused Miss So-and-so of that. I just reported her to the front office. She wasn't uh, giving me a good grade and, and you know, that sort of stuff. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like that, I mean – that's just so messed up beyond levels. And uh, that teacher, uh, while she was very vocal about her dislike for uh, you know the the right side of politics, so to speak, uh, and and Donald Trump and Mike Pence and all that, she did say that you know what, even though I don't really like them, one thing I absolutely understand and respect is the Mike Pence rule, which is where he doesn't want to meet alone with a with a. Um, with a female acquaintance alone. He wants to have a witness. And she said that, by the way, before all this stuff happened. And then she told us one day, you know what? When I said that, man, I had no idea how much more I can understand and appreciate, you know, the thing that he does. So, I mean, that that was just a freaking, I mean, wow. I mean, I saw that red flag, you know, from a mile away, but holy shit. Like I had no idea that would happen. And and dude, freaking now I'm look, I I, um, was required to make an Instagram account for our school when we went to remote learning. Not that I like to use Instagram. I don't use it still. But when I made it, I was like, all right, right let's go see who's on here. And dude, just like with any Instagram comment, <laughs> any any Instagram comment section on a girl, holy shit. I mean, I, I'm just like trying to tell those people, watch out. You're 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 swimming in shark infested waters. You're about to step into a trap. Right. You know, like they don't I yeah, I, I just feel like some guys don't know that sort of shit. Like that's insane. Like there's gonna be some poor guy in the future who's gonna come across and be like, Oh, she's so innocent, lovely, and not that not know that she almost fucked over a teacher in middle school. Like that shit is insane. You know what I mean? Yeah. Evil nature. Yeah. That's that's awesome. sure. oh, I'm sorry. I'm, hey guys, I'm sorry you had to deal with that. Unfortunately, this is where I need to get off of the bus, but uh I just wanted to thank you for, for having me on and um, let Billy finish up the, uh, the interview. He's the brains behind the operation anyway, so <laughs> nonetheless, please keep up the great work you're doing. It's definitely needed and can't wait to be on here again at some point in the future. Thanks again for supporting us. Of course, anytime, Sleazy. Thank you for showing up. We appreciate that. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. See you, buddy. All right. Bye-bye. All right, cool. 
Well, uh, anyways, for those of you who don't know, uh, Sleazy had to uh, go ahead and check out. So we appreciate you coming on, Sleazy. But Billy's still here with us for a little bit longer. We're not going to stand for hours and hours and hours, but uh, we, we do have a couple <laughs> more topics to go over and discuss. Uh, so, oh, by the way, Billy, if you ever um, need to go out and take care of anything, I'm not holding you up, all right? So whatever makes you comfortable, whatever no, works for fine. you, we're happy to make that work, all right? All right, sweet. All right, so. So like now that we're talking about before I wanted to start off with talking about band, you know, things and logistics, whatever you want to call it. But now we're talking about the more, you know, uh, McTowish red pill stuff. So, I mean, you know, I just got to ask you about your personal, you know, viewpoint, because that's part of why I like doing these interviews so much is because every single guest that I bring on has a different life experience, a different viewpoint. And, you know, when you try to understand these from multiple views, you're going to get something out of it, like it or not, no matter how big or insignificant, you're going to get something out of it. So I want to ask you, what do you believe that the future of, you know, just for guys in general? What does it look like and how is that going to relate to things like MGTOW and the ideas that you're talking about in your song? Just whatever you want to say, free for all, if you will. Well, it's hard to tell what's going to happen. God is in charge. And, you know, as far as that goes, really don't know what's going to happen. But based on the red pill concept uh, in terms of the cultural trend, I guess that's probably what you're asking about, right? You know, the cultural trend of how things will go in the future. Yep. It's really hard. It, you know, it's really hard to say. I think education is very important. Education, you know, for young men, for all men, is probably paramount. I figure, you know, you've got, you've got men that are married that understand about red pill that are using it as, as a means to understand female nature better. Now, that's not to say that all women are bad, all wives are bad, but you've got good and bad in every bunch, every culture. It's human nature, you know, it's spirit versus the flesh. And, right. you, know, a, you know, person or specifically, you know, a woman chooses the flesh over the spirit. I don't mean to get religious, but I'm using that as a, as a, as a way to differentiate the two. That's okay. Then, um, you know, you really don't know what, what will happen. But I think it, it's good that people understand what the possibilities are. And I think, you know, as long as you know what to look out for, then you are better prepared than the person that, that does not know what to look out for, what the possibilities are. And that's really kind of kind of what we're talking about with the songs and the ripple movement, you know, overall. I think that's what it's also doing is to educate people on the nature of things and not to say that everybody can't work you know, can't brush with ultra broad strokes but i would say that you know the majority of culture has eroded over time with from a viewpoint of uh, a value system compared to what it was versus what it is now you don't have to look very hard to see differences if you will you know what i mean right i do know what you mean and i, and I like that perspective i like that answer so um is it all right if I can ask if you were married before? Uh, I am not married. Oh, so you were never married at all? No. no. Oh, okay. Okay. Have you ever have you ever come close to getting married before? I have. I have. You have? Oh, okay. Well, would you mind explaining the story that uh, kind of pushed you away from deciding to get married? That's the same story that I just told you about, about... Uh, oh. Okay. Living girlfriend, moving towards that, you know, we were officially engaged, but um, it didn't. It didn't take very long to ascertain the essence of, of where things were and where things were going, or or you know, the actual case where things were not going. 
Okay. You know when you yeah, that's a, yeah. you know when yeah, when you, when 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 you have to uh, go to bed early because you get up. You have to go to bed early because you get up early in the morning and get to work. And your fiance is down in the basement having phone sex. I'd say that's a pretty hardcore red pill moment. That's one wow. of many things that I've had to deal with. Wow. Not to mention uh, uh, certain aspects of the next song uh, that we put out. And you'll, you'll, you'll learn other facets. That song also comes from a very personal point of view. All right. I see that. I see that. Well, I can totally understand why you'd why you definitely leave after that happened with the phone sex stuff. Yeah, I gotta definitely agree with you on the aspect that we we are at a point where technology is playing a role that's just ignorable at this point. Like you can't deny the change that technology is uh, going to be having and how people make decisions in their lives. And I mean, every day, you know, we're seeing articles. I think we're just seeing the media catch up to what we're doing. I mean, typically, you know, when the media reports on uh, our arena of subjects, so to speak, where the, what's it called? The neck beer losers, virgins uh, living in right. other basement. You, you've heard that yeah. stuff before. Exactly. You don't have to, right. <laughs> you don't need me to elaborate on that. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, then we're seeing articles coming out every day. They're just, they, they gave you a good chuckle. You know, let me think. Uh, today I, I stumbled across an article. It was like, uh, men in uh, what was it? Men in America, men around the West or whatever, are uh, refusing to get married. The uh, you know want the will to get married. It's decreasing all that sort of stuff. And then you see some uh, clown article come up a few days later. Uh, men aren't making enough money and it's hurting women. <laughs> and then there's another article uh, yeah. about how it's it's our fault and some other stuff. And look. I have no problem with accepting responsibility, but man, is, is everything course. really our fault? Like, really? Everything's our fault? Yeah. We're not making enough money, and that's still our fault, man. Come on. Give us a break. So, exactly. I mean, yeah. it's, it's really it. yeah, it's really funny to see the the news articles that come out. They're like, uh, oh, oh, Mick tells are a bunch of losers who don't know how to get a girl. <laughs> and it's like, well, men aren't getting married. What are they doing? We need to have more family units established to have a successful future. So it's just absolutely hilarious to see that shit come out. And I mean, it, it's just everything that MGTOW is, is kind of pointing out to and explaining. I, I've yet to find it incorrect, right? Otherwise, I would have questioned that or changed that aspect or left it. But the reason that I'm still here doing this MGTOW Academy stuff is because I like to have my views and, and things challenged. It, it's because I want to put my views up to the test. Because if they're ultimately true, then they shouldn't have any problem. And, and that's true. I mean, I've yet to come across any circumstance where MGTOW is you know, the wrong answer, so to speak. And every single day, more and more, that... Uh, faith i don't want to say faith but that that confidence that's the better word confidence that i have in the idea of going your own way only gets reinforced day by day it's a personal choice it's a choice that everybody needs to make on their own life is a personal choice nobody can certainly say anything about it it's your own personal choice if there's a reason that they're pissed off it's because they're not getting half your shit into that's pretty much where it all ends so uh billy do your close friends, uh, coworkers, family members want to, do they know about the band that you're in? Or is that like a secret operation? What's that like? It's a very uh, small circle, a very small circle. Pretty much none of my family members know. I don't really want to, I don't want to use the phrase to drag them into this, but uh, plausible deniability is your friend, right? <laughs> I understand 100%. It's, it's the same story here. No one knows how I do it for. Why do you have microphones right. in your room? 
I, uh, <clears throat> I, I sing, which is true. I do sing, but that's not the only reason. <laughs> oh, <nice. laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gotta do that karaoke. You know what I'm saying? All righty. Exactly. Uh, so going back uh, a quick question about the live events y'all talking about a bit back sure. when sleazy was on. Um, do you guys right. like, ha- are you guys like cover your face? Like have like a mask on, like do an anonymous type of band thing. What's the plan for that for live events? Well, I think it would be advantageous to have some kind of, uh, covering of course now with COVID around it might 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 be easier than we than we think. So <laughs> it's hard to say. It's hard to say. I don't know. I, I think I think, you know, to emphasize and maximize the, you know, image of the band, we've got some concepts to where we would uh, you know possibly put on some accessories, if you will, right? Maybe <laughs> beard or hat or something, you know, cricket suit. Cricket suit. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's pretty good. Yeah, I was thinking of that band, uh, the Network. That's like what Green Day does. They have their, right. you know, Green Day have their own thing, and then they have the Network, where they're right. totally not related, but they just so happen to have the same amount of people. They sound the same. They look the same, but they're not the same. They just have a mask on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. Exactly. All right. Cool. All right. Cool. So, um, you know, from your perspective, what is a vital life lesson that music has taught you? And what I mean by that is there's what I would call, you know, just life lessons in general that everyone can learn or skills even, you know, uh, for example, when I'm talking about skills, I might be talking about learning about teamwork. You know, you can learn that from multiple ways. You can do a project in mm-hmm. school, learn about teamwork, you can do martial arts or play a team sport or work in a business. There's multiple ways to learn different skills or life lessons. What is a skill or a life lesson the music has taught you? Well, um, I would probably say the first lesson I learned from music is, you know, to never give up because if you do, you know, you give up on yourself and, you know, when you're trying to better yourself musically, when you don't give up and you have that moment where you've achieved things that you couldn't, couldn't really do in the past, it's, it's such a wonderful, wonderful motivator to do other things. And it's not, it's, it, it doesn't stop with the music. You look back on those times that you have broken through musically and you apply them to other factors, other facets of your life, other things that you want to do, whether it be with uh, school, jobs, tangible buildings, if you will, things you're trying to build, whether it be, you know, put a fence up or, you know, build a wall in a house. I mean, it could be anything. And I've, Right. Dealt with a lot right. of, okay. You know, different things. Yeah. You know, never give up. All right. All right. That's a good lesson there. And I can understand completely how, you know, music can teach you skills and lessons that are transferable. I like how you made those many examples there. Hey, so right. on the note of making content stuff, uh, you know, this can be something directed towards you as an individual or something that was directed at the band. What was the most, you know, uh, demotivating thing? It can be like an insult or criticism that wasn't constructive that somebody ever said to you or the band. And how exactly did you handle that criticism? How did you respond? How did you bounce back? What happened? Well, grace. You always have to have grace with everything you do, everything you deal with. Often, I think there's so much that is misunderstood or misinterpreted. And even though somebody might be trying to insult you, you know, you always have to rise, rise over it because even though it it might not be what you want to hear, but the fact that people listen enough to give you that feedback says, says more, you know, more than you really understand at that point in time. 
All right. All right. I like that answer right there. Uh, so the, the last question that I wanted to close out with um, is it's just kind of like a, a free for all, if you will. This is something I like to do on all my interviews uh, is to give that platform. Last time I had a guy from a fitness company, fitness brand that I follow come over uh, called Mike Rose of Annabelle Aliens. And I asked him, hey, what do you want to talk about? Just anything. And the funny thing is he chose aliens because of his company name. Uh, it was so funny because it was kind of random, but also related at the same time. So, hey, Billy, uh, the platform is yours. Is there anything, anything, it'd be any random thing? There's no limitations whatsoever as to what you would like to share with the world. Don't ever give up on yourself. I appreciate that, man. That's that's a pretty good point. Yeah, that's something I always like to ask people. It's a nice way to understand what they, you know, what they want to show, how they feel. You know, like if you could say something to the world sure. right now, what would it be? That's a, that's a good way to look at it. All right, Billy. Well, we're approaching the end of our interview. We've got a few more things we got to take care of before we end this. So uh, first of all, what is in the next few months after this interview is released? What can we expect from Betsor, Billy, and the Crotch Crickets? What music can we expect? What events will you guys be maybe being a part of? That sort of stuff. Um, well, we've got, we've got one song we're almost done with. We've got a new song coming out. I'll withhold the name for it you know, for this point in time, but... Uh, should should be very soon. Don't think we have any current events set up at the moment, but uh, that could always change. And you know, our goal is just to continue to write. Uh, you know, now that we have things moving, got probably at least two or three other tunes in the hopper. So really, the focus is you know just start to bang bang the songs out. Pardon the pun, and. Um, <laughs> Right, right. I see that. Okay. So I'm pretty sure that after hearing you guys talk, the listeners wondering where exactly, you know, we can find you. So you can go ahead and list off the platforms that you're on. And in the description below, once this is released and distributed, I'll have the links to everything you're going to mention available to the listener. So go ahead and share where the listener can find you. Uh, Twitter, have a Twitter account. And I believe we have uh, our YouTube account. Also, yeah, I recall that you guys are on like Pandora or something. I recall seeing that when I yeah, did a Google search. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a whole suite uh, that we have set up. Um, yeah, so that's where you're going to be able to find the uh, all the songs and everything for Betsorbley and the Crotch Crickets. And as he said, you can check them out on Twitter. All that stuff that he just talked about will be linked to you in the description below and all the platforms uh, that you can check them out on. So, uh, before I go ahead and do my closing remarks, is there anything else you'd like to say? No, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Of course. It. Of course. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and uh, go through what I have to say. And then as we had practiced earlier, before we hit record, me and my good friend here, Billy, practiced our special outro dedicated to the year 2020. You'll hear that in a minute. So. <laughs> as I said, that's all for this episode of the MGTOW Academy show. Again, a very special thank you to Billy and Sleazy for uh, both showing up to the show. We appreciate you guys. Uh, and again, a special thank you to the entire band uh, for what you guys are doing. So I bet, like I said, you're probably wondering where you can find these guys and all that sort of stuff uh, that will be linked to you again in the description below. Check them out. They got great stuff, great music, uh, and really, really great stuff coming soon. So if you want to reach me, my email address is mctowacademy.media at gmail.com. And my Twitter handle is at all caps, MGTOW followed by Academy. The first and Academy is capitalized. If you'd like to support MGTOW Academy, that means the MGTOW Academy show, the MGTOW Academy show live, MGTOW stories, and everything else I'm doing behind the scenes. You can support me via PayPal or Patreon. More information on that 
is in the description for you. And as always, please leave any comments at the platform you're on allows it and I'll get back to you. So it's more than likely that you're listening to this after the year 2020 has ended. But as of right now, <clears throat> we are still in hell. So we're, we're actually a few years away. I'm sorry, not a few years. A few hours away from New Year's Eve. It's uh, what time is it? It's 1025 Eastern Standard Time as of right now, December 30th, 2020. So the year hasn't ended for us yet, believe it or not. But I am so ready, so ready for this year to be over. And look, I'm grateful for all the opportunities I had, dude. But like the, you know, the interview I'm doing right now, I'm thankful for that. But I hate this year. It ruined me. <laughs> I hate it so much. 2020 <laughs> can get penetrated by a cactus for all I could care. So uh, me and my good friend Billy here have a message for 2020. Are you ready for the outro, Billy? Let's do it. All right. F you on three. One, two, three. Fuck, Fuck you, 2020. 2020. <laughs> All right. That's our show. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll see you guys soon. <laughs>